create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we conclude our time in the prison subsystem that once was, well, well the what would, what would our solar system be called? Do we have a name for our solar system? Daniel, you would know this. You're a science man. Well, in, in computer games, I... <laughs> <laughs> in computer games, I always see it referred to as the Sol system. So mm-hmm. I'm sure computer games are the best uh, source of that knowledge. Oh, you, you know mean I... our solar system? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's called Jail. Well, yes. That is <laughs> the fictional <laughs> one. Yes, that's correct. But like, <laughs> do we have one? I'm I pretty Courtney's sure it's right. Soul. Yeah. The Soul system? But yeah. let me Google it. Okay. This is all staying in, by the way. I just want to let you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> this this is the kind of fun dumb banter that i'm here for wikipedia says well actually solarsystem.nasa.gov says our planetary oh. system is named the solar system because our sun is named sol after the latin word for sun solus y'all you are listening to me learn in real time i just want to say that <laughs> other other um systems other stellar systems may not even have stars so that's why gotcha gotcha okay Anyway, so according to Wikipedia, other ones can be planetary systems, which are a set of gravitationally bound non-stellar objects in or out of orbit. Interesting. Yep. The last we left off, uh, after all that preamble, after learning what a solar system is, apparently, uh, where we left off last time was we had a twist. And that twist was throw the story into the past or the future. Now, who wants to start us off by reconciling this twist? I I feel like there is a lot that we can do with this twist in particular. So mine is less the story itself and more parts of the setting, if that works. Um, I was Googling about black holes and time distortion and all that and uh, found found a bunch of articles about a study um, about the gamma rays that are released by stars when they collapse into black holes. And all the headlines are, of course, talking about how the gamma rays might like reverse time, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's actually what the study said, because you know what science journalism is like. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I was thinking- Unless it's that, coming from nature, you're, you're never <laughs> sure that it's actually yeah, what it said. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so I was thinking that maybe this did happen with our star but in just in those like single areas where the gamma rays traveled through. So at random, when you're traveling through the system, there could be a streak of like millennia old landscape on one of the planets or kind of fractions of these ancient objects floating around. So mm-hmm. basically relics of the past that were brought back because of these gamma rays. Interesting. Mm-hmm. How does that, Daniel, how does that jive with like science and stuff like that? I feel like. <laughs> totally legit science. <laughs> I haven't heard of reversing time gamma rays yeah. before, but I'm sure there are weirder theories. <laughs> I would have to Google it. But it's what I like conceptually in that is um, the idea that there could be these beams of energy that have created certain areas of the um, system that belong to an earlier time or like, I don't know, or a window mm-hmm. into that time. That's kind mm-hmm. of cool. Interesting. I, 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 it's, it's similar to the concept that I was kind of messing with when it comes to like our twist, which is like, can you have like, uh, essentially like, uh, what, what's the equivalent of a solar flare, but for a black hole with time, Mm. you know, like, can you have just like a wave of black hole energy that like rapidly ages or rapidly de-ages certain things. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking that might be kind of interesting to see, especially on a planetary level where it's like only one side or one portion of this planet mm-hmm. gets hit with that. And then the rest of the planet is like relatively fine. Like what would that look like? What does that, that's what I wanted to kind of mm-hmm. explore and uh, again, I feel like we're getting a little bit towards like the science fantasy, which I'm fine yeah. with. Like we've kind of, we're a little rooted in science fiction, but now with like, I didn't want to go with my original plan, which was like time, essentially time traveling wizard magic, right? <laughs> where 
my, my original plan was to essentially have the future and the past be the same thing where the people who uh, left and like burnt out the sun are the same people who are coming back. So it's like this infinite mm. loop that's happening. It, but, but again, it doesn't really make a whole lot of goddamn sense. So I, I, I wanted to go with something else and I, I did, I, I, again, this is, I feel like this is less, uh, fantasy than infinite time loop but that's that's what i wanted to get out there yeah no i like that idea and i feel like we could kind of bs it and say that because of the artificial and very sudden way that this black hole was created maybe it's like unstable which explains the flares yeah like time distortion yeah that's a good point i mean you could you could say that it's um i was trying to read an article quickly about something Close to what you might have Googled. But you could also say, though, that instead of gamma rays, like this is like, I don't know, some kind of frame dragging um, in space time caused by by the creation of this black hole. So like there's mm-hmm. there's like uh, spindles of space time that are maybe like so warped that they're actually in the past. And so mm-hmm. like it, it's yeah. almost as like a ray of this 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 warped space time hits a planet and like pulls it into the past or something. That would be kind of weird, you know. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to keep it more, if you wanted to like try and push it away from science fantasy, as opposed to like, you know, the Hulk got his powers from gamma rays, that kind of thing, <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I was directly trying to avoid Hulk references, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I, I do see, I do see an article about, um, which I'm wondering if it's something similar to what you read mm-hmm. that's talking about um, gamma ray bursts, basically. Um, they 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 appear as if they're going backwards in time because of mm, yeah. the conditions surrounding them. But I don't know what that means without reading this in depth. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was I was trying to get through the study, but the uh, the language in there is pretty incomprehensible. Dense. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, turns out people have degrees in these things for a reason. Who Weird. knew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've got. Uh, I, I, it's interesting to me that both Courtney and I were kind of fascinated by the black hole stuff. Um, Daniel, what were you fascinated by with this whole twist? I was thinking, um, not so much of taking it literally, but the sense that, um, because Mm. this solar, we're talking about a whole solar system, which is an enormous space. Um, and it's now disparate and broken apart because, they don't understand the technology has been left behind and you've got basically prisoner gangs running things. Um, I thought perhaps there are pockets of the solar system that simply have fallen into the past. Like we talked about some of them having mutated dinosaurs on them. You know, you could have uh, parts of Mars that are colonized, but their society has forgotten what humanity is about. And it's run by, you know, barbarian hordes because they reverted back to that whereas you could have let's say um a a space station on neptune which is now because of courtney um like just a a hard core (laughs) and not a gas giant where (laughs) they they do retain like fragments of human civilization and it's a big cloud bespin kind of space station and everyone lives there and thinks of that as like their entire, like the entire, their entire existence. So you can have the past and the future in the same system without them even knowing about each other because the mm. get between these planets is an enormous journey, which they may not even have the technology to use. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, sure. When you say that we can have this be in the future and the past at the same time, you're talking about relative uh, technolo- technological states, correct? Exactly, yeah. Okay, I, I wanted to make that clear because I thought that you could also essentially say that like, no, the past is happening in the future, man. Like that, <laughs> that's like actually kind of what I was thinking about. Uh-huh. Where like time becomes inverted in on itself. You know? I mean, I like your, con- your concept, I think could work if we played with, because if the people are, who are far outside the system, like that, when you when you deal with distances that far, the meaning of time doesn't is is, is not really the same as what we think of mm-hmm. as there being a past and the future. Because if you like, just the, the most basic concept of that is when we look back at the stars, right, in, in the sky, we're seeing um, what's happened relative to us billions of years ago, right? Like the light 
has just arrived mm-hmm. right. to us right. from an insanely far distance. So it doesn't make sense to talk about the past and the future um, in terms of what's happening to people who might be where that light came from and where we are now, because there's a literal, it, it's literally impossible for them to be relative to it, to them to be like um, comparable to each other. Like they're mm-hmm. only relative to each other. So it's totally doable, but I have no idea how we would do it in the setting because we're talking about one, one solar system, you know? Huh. All right. If we wanted to stick with, something that's sort of science fictiony it has an explanation (laughs) (laughs) well let's let's kind of start there what interesting stories do our twists and the reconciliations thereof allow us to do with this system like that's kind of the question that i would like to answer first like what kind of stories are you interested in telling with the twists that we've brought today i'm sort of picturing like being a person on a planet talking about like Uh, our ideas rob um being a person kind of on a planet struggling to survive and then stumbling across this sort of strip of land that is like completely different from what i'm used to and it's just how it used that's how it was like centuries ago or millennia ago and um just how sort of startling that would be and what that what that might bring out of a person to see that because that to them would be an alien landscape um, and maybe sort of a a sign of what could have been had the past not gone the way it did. I mean, to some of these planets, right, a, a resource abundant area is going to look like an Eden of some kind. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, so you have the story, the story that I'd be interested in telling in this particular instance, you know is what would a hardcore capitalist do if he found Eden? He'd sell it, wouldn't he? Like, that's kind of what I would think. That's that's kind of where my brain goes. I don't imagine that these people would create or, or find something that is a lush paradise and then, you know, keep it and then, and then offer it to the community, especially in a world that's kind of ravaged and resourceless. I mean, I guess it depends on what group finds it, because I could also see like a ravaged and resourceless planet um, that probably doesn't have that many inhabitants. It might make the most sense to band together as like a a, a set community that supports each other uh, because the alternative mm. is just dying. It, it almost seems like an episode of The Twilight Zone, doesn't it? Where it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. the post-apocalypse and then a group of people find this place and then it's all about the story that unfolds from there. You know, like what they do with it. What's the concept, essentially? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Reads is very um, a dying earth to me. And usually the mm-hmm. dying earth stories that I've read um, have a weird menagerie of of kind of styles mixed together almost in the way that like an osr um game like an old school revival D game might have like gonzo settings mixed together but they're mm-hmm. all sort of in the past and sort of looking at powers that they don't understand that have been left behind and it seems like this setting you know parts of it could be a conan the barbarian you know adventure under Mm -hmm. a starless sky and then parts of it could be like oh you're in a noir space station and you know that the what's left or what's around you is as complex and like diverse as the galaxy but it's actually restricted to the solar system Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's that is one thing i actually uh so i i do tend to like that bit of dying earth fantasy there are some places where they do it well and there's some places they do it poorly i think one of the things that i dislike about that type of stuff is when you're you're reading a book and then it's like and then they found a nuclear bomb and it's like okay i'm like (laughs) completely pulled out of it at that point uh but i like the idea of their remnants of technology that we might recognize one thing that annoys me is when there's an suddenly there's an abrams tank you know, when mm. when there was like previously no real hinting at before. I, I think Prince of Thorns does this, if I'm not mistaken. I remember like just getting to a point where there's suddenly a nuclear reactor and I'm like, fuck this. I'm out. Like, I, I'm, I'm so <laughs> done with this setting. Like, uh, it, it was very frustrating for me. I've seen it done well a couple of times. The one that comes to mind is um, 
Nnedi Okorafor's uh, Who Fears Death, which is set in kind of this magical post-apocalyptic Africa. And at one point, um, the main character stumbles upon, I think it's like a cave, but there are all these like bits of technology, which is when you realize like, oh, this is post-apocalypse kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't really know exactly what they are. Mm -hmm. They don't, it's not like it's like an active nuclear reactor or something. It's just like junk that's been left behind more or less. I'm I'm cool with junk. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm cool with junk. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the best the best classic example I can think of is the Book of the Long Sun, which you don't really understand that that, that the terminology being used refers to um, modern technology until you know you're partway through the book, mm-hmm. because he tends to use archaic words to describe things like deliberately archaic words mm-hmm. that fall into the language. Um, and so he disguises the technology, but then you start to think about how it's being used and what it is. And you're like, oh, this is actually like some kind of laser gun. It's not some magical thing, you know, mm-hmm. but he does it in a very subtle way. And I think that's what's really cool. Yeah. Have I told you guys, I, I think I've recently uncovered why I personally dislike post-apocalyptic stories. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I, I've, I've come to a realization that recently. H- have I discussed this with you at all? I don't think so. So I used to think I didn't like sci-fi or or post-apocalyptic stories for uh, a myriad of reasons. Recently, I've come to kind of understand, right, that it's it's a deeply personal thing for me when it comes to these stories. Uh, I have found that most post-apocalyptic literature tends to focus on the savage nature of humanity. And the savage violence that everyone devolves into once certain things in humanity are taken or or, or of civilization are taken away. Mm -hmm. And what that often translates to for me is the the removal of hope. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I kind of came to this weird place with it because. To some people, survival is hope enough, right? Where there's there's a potential to rebuild humanity. But I, I, I tend to find the bleakness for me, for some reason, when it comes to post-apocalyptic fiction, to be deeply, personally upsetting. Because to me, the reason I read something like science fiction or something like fantasy is to, it, it is escapism and it is a hopeful escapism, which is something that I'm interested in. And mind you, like not everything I read has to be hopeful. Obviously I love a good bleak tale as Courtney can assure you, mm-hmm. but with, with post-apocalyptic fiction in particular, it often feels as though it just devolves into misery porn and often mm-hmm. yeah. only highlights the worst parts of human nature. Like those are the deepest themes. And I don't feel as though hope is among those themes comparatively. I mean, I I do think it depends on what you're reading or what game you're playing. Um, One that comes to mind right away is Station Eleven, which I think is a a bit more hopeful in its depiction of um, a post-apocalyptic sort of environment. And I would recommend that one. It's it's really good. You think so? As far as hopeful? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say so. Because to to me, right, like the, the I don't want to go spoiling Station mm. Eleven here, uh, but to, I, I don't really get hopeful from Station Eleven. I just mm. get like, yeah, I, 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 I don't get that aspect from from what I've seen of it anyway. Maybe maybe it changes or something like that. But um, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the book. I haven't seen the show. Oh, see, I'm talking about oh, the show. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I haven't okay. I haven't seen the show. I mean, the book is like there's certainly bleakness to it because it takes place like before, during and after a a disaster that wipes out a huge amount of the human population. Spoilers, it's a a global pandemic, very topical. Oh yeah. <laughs> but there's in like the after part, there's this focus on this band, this like basically entertainment troupe that travels yes. around, which I think is that in itself to me is kind of hopeful because it shows that there's, it's not just like pure survival, but they're, they're bringing in art and culture and mm-hmm. expression um, and kind of holding on to that part of humanity. Hmm. I, the, I think the thing that I find frustrating with fiction like that is that to me, it it is, 
I, I don't know. It, it's I, I, it's something that I'm going to have to like really sit down and think a little bit more about mm. because it's always something that's bothered me about post-apocalyptic fiction is like it always seems cruel. It always seems like it is also it is also like weirdly like one particular viewpoint that gets put across, which is like where where is the post-apocalyptic? Actually, you know what? Avery Alder can probably tell us because we've talked about this kind of thing with her, uh, mm. this idea of like a hopeful post-apocalyptic where it's uh, setting where it's like, yeah, it's about community building. Like that's the kind of thing that I'm more interested in if we're going to yeah. be doing post-apocalypse stuff, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I love me a good like Mad Max and stuff like that. And, and that is, you know, somewhat bleak, but also hopeful enough where, I'm also just able to get lost in a lot of the world building and a lot of the fiction in general. But yeah, it's funny. I find um, things like Star Trek to be more fantastical because, in my opinion, um, people are fundamentally evil and they have to try to be good. And so all the uh, all the post apocalypses that reveal that, I'm like, well, that makes sense. You know? Oh, Dan- yeah. We yeah. are we are on the opposite ends of that spectrum, Daniel. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you look at like what's even what's now going on in the world, if you look at like civil wars, um, you know, right now in Africa and it's just, or Asia or the Middle East, it's just brutality. Like it's, it's But horrific. it's still the best we've evil. ever That's been. <laughs> no, no, no. It's still the best we've ever been. That's the thing. I mean, the best in our shoes as, as we are in like a, a Western country that, isn't experiencing. I'm talking globally. Like globally, this is the best we've ever been. Like in terms of peace, in terms of brutality, in terms of bloodshed. Like I don't think we fundamentally changed at all since our creation. Mm-hmm. Well, well, fundamentally, no. But mm-hmm. like as a civilization, we've built a society to the point where it's like we have less. Over, like I, I think of like the history that I have read, and it's like where all of this blatant horrible like torture like on a day-to-day basis right Mm -hmm. like the idea that torture was so normalized that it was a it was an event that people would go to for entertainment right we we now have something like that in the form of the simulacra of you know like a video game or a movie or something like that so that violent tendency is still within us that urge is still within us but we have still created enough that it's so not what it used to be like that's the thing that that irks me it's like yes brutality mm. exists but we're also the most peaceful we've ever been yeah, I don't think anyone would disagree that the changes of civilization have made um, life on Earth much, much more pleasant than the past. Um, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm just pointing to is we're still fundamentally evil. Yeah, and there's See, still a lot of a lot of horrible shit going on. Yeah, know? no. When you say evil, do you mean greedy or selfish? Because I think that yes. e- like, what are we defining as evil here? Evil for me always means um, selfishness at the expense of another's welfare. Mm. Okay, that's that's fair. If if yes. that's your definition of evil, then we can talk about that. Yeah, I think it's fine. reified in the most successful um, economic system in history, otherwise mm. known as capitalism. Yeah. Right, but we can do better than that. That's the thing. I hope so. Like that, I that's hope the so. Thing, mm-hmm. Is that if you give in to this that's idea, why Star that- Trek's a great concept. Exactly. Yes, I, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. That. Like, I think all of the technological mm-hmm. wow. optimists. Um, yeah, I think all the technological optimists are just optimists. Like, especially what's his name? Yeah. Um, yeah. Kurzweil, who believes that the singularity is going to happen soon, and all these <laughs> lovely, you know, uh, wonderful uh, man-machine mergers, and there'll be peace. None of that's happening. None of that. For yeah, hundreds. I, of, I, I, I think we got more of a Dune situation where. We're not even the story starting twenty thousand years after an empire is established, and we're still shit. <laughs> That's yeah. where we're headed. I, Daniel, I, I have to imagine that there has to be a better future because otherwise, like, what is the point of all of this, right? Like, That's a good question. There is a no point. Well, yes, <laughs> as a nihilist, I agree with that. However, <laughs> I also understand that we have to assuage and try and lessen other people's suffering as much as possible, right? Like that is that is the mm-hmm. hope that I bring towards the future that 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 our lives and and other generations lives will be uh kinder and less violent and less exploited than the lives that we are living now 
right? That's the hope. And that is what I feel uh, pulls me away from post-apocalyptic fiction is that it strips that away. It tries to take away that hope. And it tries to say that the now that we have is what we should strive for. Post-apocalyptic fiction often feels very conservative to me politically as a result of that. Hmm. I wonder if that's how the genre would describe itself or if that's um, kind of bad. If that's the, if that feeling that you come away with is the result of post-apocalyptic fiction that's not writing to the expectations of the genre. Because I don't know much about post-apocalyptic fiction to say. Mm-hmm. But for example, like, um, you know, if you have a space opera, like I, I you kind of know what the expectations of the genre are and then a bad space opera wouldn't fulfill those. So I wonder mm-hmm. if like the majority of post-apocalyptic fiction is like you're saying, like disaster porn. And the mm-hmm. ones that are actually good have a message that post-apocalyptic fiction is really about. But I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is disaster porn, for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a great point, Daniel. And we have strayed so far from this <laughs> setting with this discussion. Uh, I I as much as I would love to continue this discussion, mm-hmm. I think that we should shelve this and get back to our setting. If you want us, if you want to hear us talk about this more, if you want this to be its own subject, let us know, send us an email, or even for, for one of our patrons out there, if you want it to be an aphid lounge episode, by all means, let us know, because I think that there's a lot more that we can say about this type of thing. Uh, But uh, regrettably, as much as I would like to continue (laughs) on, it is time to continue on. We need to move on to our factions. Dear God, let's get this going. Daniel, start us off with your faction. What do you have for us, sir? Since you all are particularly interested in the black hole, I was as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I um, had an idea for a way to introduce time travel in some some extent. Interesting. Um, I imagined an organization that resides near... um, where the effects of time dilation aren't too strong near the black hole called the Sagittarius group after the Sagittarius a star at the center of our own galaxy, Mm. um, which is a giant black hole. Um, And the, the concept is they have a machine that sits. It's like a supercomputer that's left over from the previous civilization. And they've probably, they've probably been there since this thing was launched um, that sits as far as it can close to the event, like to the edge of the event horizon so that, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. fall in, but it's, it's getting maximal, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, time dilation effect mm-hmm. from it, mm-hmm. but their, their station is, is further away. So they're not under those effects fully. And what they do is they're, they're running some kind of computation, um, inside of that time dilated space. Um, that would take thousands of years because they don't have the, t- the technology to do it. And they have a way of sending agents um, to it and they, they, you know, get more information. And then because they can't go back, because, you know, if they were to, once they get there, time has passed too much because of the time dilation to return. Mm-hmm. Instead, they travel on across the event horizon mm-hmm. into the black hole. And now this is where there's some hand wave, more hand waving than normal going on. They, they pass through the black hole and are flung into the past. Um, and where they can perhaps make some changes or perhaps um, launch the rest of their mission. Um, or the other reason that you would fling yourself back to the past is so you could fight the evil that is Aku. Um, what is that? Oh, you have, you've not seen Samurai Jack, Daniel? No. It's a oh, I haven't okay. either. Honestly, I've okay. seen a couple episodes, but okay. I really like the animation. <laughs> We're going to move on <laughs> because I, I don't know if our friendship could take this conversation. Daniel, continue on with your Sagittarius group, please. So in terms of how this this would work, like when you have a black hole, if it's not enormous, and enormous meaning lots and lots of solar masses, then and it's not rotating, then the singularity in it um, is such that you wouldn't be able to potentially pass through it. You'd just be annihilated. But if the black hole's large enough and rotating, it's possible that the singularity is a ring and you could pass through it and not be spaghettified. Um, mm-hmm. And possibly who knows what happens if that, if that occurs as your window into the fantastical. Um, so I'm guessing this particular black hole, because it was created experimentally and it contains more than the solar masses of the sun 
is in some way special. And perhaps it has this, a ring and that was part of how it was designed. So that's what these guys are exploiting to travel into the past. And so from a narrative point of view, I'm thinking there might be these like Sagittarius agents throughout the system, some of whom are from the past or, or from the future, I guess, um, that are trying to put things in place to, I don't know, either reverse the disaster or some other some other objective. Like think like really mysterious special agents that are out there. Interesting. Daniel, the exactly. animation's the best part of the show. I don't understand. <laughs> it just looks kind of dumb to me. <laughs> I don't like it's it's so stylized like, and like badly drawn. Like the, the art is so fan like I can't They're all like kind of shrunk and I don't know. I don't like the colors. Are, are we talking about the right show? Yeah. Daniel, weird looking. Courtney, take this away from me, please. <laughs> yep. Okay. So we're moving on. All right. So this actually reminds me of a book that I uh finished recently called This Is How You Lose the Time War. It's by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone. And it's about these age, these two agents on opposing sides of a time war, as the title implies, um, who travel back and forth in time, like doing really minor tweaks to like change, vastly, hopefully change the course of the future in favor of their side. So I could see the agents doing things like that where they don't want to mm -hmm. do anything too big um and like just completely fuck everything up but these like minor tweaks here and there to hopefully change the course of the future is that the the novel that uses time as if it were like a git repo mm. where like the way they describe the timeline is that it can be revised um and yes. there's a central repository of time essentially kind of yes okay yeah a Git repo, for those unacquainted with it, in software, it's um, a way of tracking uh, changes to the software such that you can make little changes and go back in time and re reset the history so you can go back to earlier changes. And I think that book works with that concept, but it might be wrong. It's sort mm. of similar to that. Um, it's it's like a very like poetic kind of abstract book, so there's oh, a lot okay. of sort of nebulous ideas in there. Um, I really enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, just just made me think of that when I heard your idea here. I've calmed down. <laughs> I'm, I'm back. I mm -hmm. apologize. Um, I have a question, actually. Daniel, is, is there a way that you could you could essentially use like terminally ill people to in this kind of time loop thing? So it's like, we can give you more, like that's why like, you're sending these people back who basically have no other option or like mm. we're going to send them on what are essentially suicide missions, right? Where it's like, hey, look, in this time dilated, dilated space, you're going to have a lot more time to live because of how time works. And then so like you just do a couple of missions for us, you tack on 10 to 15 more years or however many long years. Is that something that is feasible? Because I feel like that's kind of an interesting subgroup of people, like agents that you could have that work within this group. I mean, I think that's a fun idea, but it wouldn't work because even when you're time dilated, you still experience time as normal. So if you had a terminal right. disease, you would mm -hmm. still have however much time you have. Like there's, right. you, you wouldn't get any more time out of it. Okay, because it's all about relativity, right? Right. So like if okay. let's say I, I'm working at Sagittarius Group Station and I'm up to go travel to the past, like I would travel whatever thousand meter or thousand um, miles to the, to the machine that's heavily time dilated. But once I get there, you know, it's, I don't know, a few days have passed for me and it's now like day seven. On day seven, when I arrive, the time dilation is so great that the station I came from is now a thousand years in the past. Right. right and right. so it's like, okay, i still have only a year to live. Now I go through the event horizon and I gotcha. don't come back. I don't, but I like that idea. So I wonder, cause like you're suggesting what would be the lore for um, an agent to want to do this mission. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could be uh, along your theme um, recovering the past. Like maybe there's a chance that when they go through, they'll arrive mm. before the, the, the black hole was created in the distant past, like before the prison existed. But then again, mm -hmm. I don't want to take them out of the, the story. You know what I mean? Right, right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think I think we should pivot over to Courtney's faction because we still have factions to get through. This episode is already running kind of long. Um, 
So Courtney, go ahead and hit us with your faction. So I kind of have two factions actually that are in opposition and what they want to accomplish. Um, the first one is pretty straightforward, uh, a group of survivalists who uh, to be able to still survive on earth, which when the sun dies will become this like frigid, like wasteland of ice. Um, they they dug deep into the Earth's crust to attempt to stay alive closer to uh, the heat from the Earth's core and geothermal vents and all that. Um, so they now have a subterranean colony down there that's sort of separated from a lot that's on the surface. Uh, and in opposition to them um, would be a group of accelerationists who think that the solar system is just pure misery that bringing new life into it is is a terrible idea um, essentially that they want to snuff out the remaining human life to ensure that there can't be future generations who suffer uh, whether by you know weaponry or sterilization or what have you but that's their goal interesting mm. like reverse murloc morlocks Morlocks? Like yeah. uh, the ones who have been here. Yeah. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. More hopeful ones, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my question to you is, what kind of stories do you want to tell with these two groups? Is it all about their interpersonal conflicts or intrapersonal conflicts? Or what do you think? Um, I think that, I mean, with the survivalists, definitely the survivalist aspect, the clinging on to hope mm -hmm. that things can improve, that um, that they can still thrive underground. Um, with the accelerationists, it's, yeah, I guess, I guess how they deal within their own group with that concept and also how, how other uh, people interact with them, how they would tried to thwart the plans that they have and so on. How do you imagine them stylistically? Like if I were to visualize each group, mm -hmm. like, are we talking about like matrix two and three and four <laughs> <laughs> dancing minorities under the earth in their, their savage paradise? Or are we talking like we've carved out um, fallout Four bunkers and we're eating beans? I, yeah, I'm picturing um, not not quite either one, I guess, for the uh, the underground people. <laughs> Those are the choices so, they gave you. Yeah, just the two. That's it. That's um, it. I mean, I guess closer to like Fallout, not so much like underground rave parties, but um, I picture them as like very like working labor types um, who sort of toil underground. Um, so like dwarves? Did Chris if, put you up you to will. this, Courtney? I mean, you could, if you wanted to, call them dwarf-like. Yeah. Um, if are they really are they short because the gravity differences and no, there's higher pressure under the you earth? You shut the you know? fuck up right <laughs> now. Maybe they, yeah, I mean, I could imagine <laughs> that due to like poor nutrition over time and the gravity yeah. effects that they would they would slowly uh, shrink down. Mm -hmm. And, and it's dark down there, so. Yeah. You know, great. You got a bunch mm -hmm. of people with rickets. What's your next <laughs> fucking faction? Great. Uh, but what about the people? Up? What about the accelerationists? Yeah. Tell us more about yeah. them, Courtney. Those I have less of a grasp on. Um, okay. I, I feel oh, like. Maybe elves. Oh my God. God damn it, Daniel. Are. They totally are elves. Um, I, I think they would be like less uh, physically organized together. I feel like they might be more spread out across uh, the solar system trying to work in whatever way that they can um like maybe even your faction daniel has some that have sort of infiltrated and are keeping an eye on things um potentially maybe even looking to use that type of technology to wipe things out um but yeah i don't have have quite a grasp on on them yet I wonder, because I'm trying to think, okay, it makes how you describe the people underground makes total sense. Like they're kind of living underneath the planet to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. The ones in the above, like there's no mm -hmm. light. So I wonder yeah. if they've evolved themselves in some way to exist in darkness, you know, mm -hmm. like, and to feed off of some other sort of energy. And that makes them like fundamentally inhuman or different now. Mm -hmm. 
like pulling from uh sort of the radiation in space Ooh, instead of from gamma radiation yes <laughs> they're all hulks <laughs> Well, no. If, if they're if they're all drawing from gamma radiation, doesn't that mean that they're all time dilated? So they're essentially immortal, which which also means that they're tall and spindly and have names that all have apostrophes in them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So lots of yeah, pointed ears yeah. because of the gravity yeah. pull. Obviously. Obvious, yeah. Obviously. Yep. <laughs> I do. For some I, reason, I do picture them as being more um, a feet, you know, or a feminine, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. No, I could see that in that they. I think maybe it's because they're focused on on more of this concept rather than like the labor that's the focus of the survivalists. Um, these ones are more like stealth agent types. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because I definitely saw them more as a death cult, like mm-hmm. like the because they're so focused on the idea of like accelerating the end. To mm-hmm. me, they just look like a bunch of like nerd necromancers <laughs> with like. <laughs> Skull face paint and shit like that. God, they're they're basically goths. Oh my, no, 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 no. They're elf. They're they're goth elves. That's what oh they God. are. Yeah, God. I can get Terrible. behind goth elves. Let goth me tell you. Jeez, they're all Ravenloft. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Or 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 they're uh, old school drow, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. drow. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. I can see drow. It kind of thinks. See, what's that? There's an. I think it's an RPG called the Spire or something. Or. Yes. Yeah, where it's like a giant tower full of drow trying to escape these horrible um, <laughs> overlord elves. I own that book. Mm. It is fantastic and full of amazing lore. Really? It's essentially the drow are uh, a repressed underclass for the high elves who are like mm-hmm. ethereal mm. and magic. And it is like it is a they city that lives. is built a mile high. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. It's I, I, I would the music from that. The, the what now? There's like there's music tracks released to tabletop audio that come from really. That yeah, I did not know that. That's really That's cool. cool. Yeah. All right. I, I think that we're down. So we've got Courtney's elves and dwarves. We've got <laughs> Daniel's like time looping Sagittarius group, and then for me, I, I wanted to offer a kind of villainous group that you can kind that is universal, right? I wanted to go with, and my idea was you have a prison system, right? This is a solar system that is essentially being used as a prison. Well, do you really need wardens or guards for that? No, but I bet that there's probably a large group of people who figured out that they can pretend to be wardens and guards and then abuse the shit out of their own power. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... I have the rail boys, not their actual name, um, but they essentially go around on that weird uh, boomerang shaped thing that binds all the planets together. And they essentially extort or manipulate the people from each of the different planets to give them more things, make them more powerful And I was like, okay, how can we make it so they have a modicum of power? And I think Courtney was the one who mentioned this, that when the sun went out, they had all of these, like each planet had their own source or ability to create something that was like a sun. And so my idea is that those uh, false suns or mini suns or UV emitters or whatever they are, they are attached to this giant apparatus, the giant boomerang looking thing. And as a result, they own and control those things. So if you don't want to pay them their their fee, their tithe, they will literally just shut the sun out on you, on your side of the planet, you know? So that is the concept that I wanted to run with. And also I, I, I had this idea that they're kind of like Cockney, like just like railway men who are just kind of like brutish in some way, at least the lower level ones. I'm sure that there's some good ones out there and, or, or some more effete ones as Daniel. So suggested earlier, but that's kind of the concept that I was running with. And I was like, these could be, these are assholes of a universal nature. Like they could be anywhere. 
I love that. And I love that mm. they have found a way to control the energy sources that are left, like to, yeah. ex- to extort people. What's the what's the the show with the British people and it's um got Killian Murphy in it, is it? Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what they can think of. Oh, that, that <laughs> totally works. Absolutely. Yeah. And and well, we're in that show, it's like they have legitimate power through illegitimate mm-hmm. means. Like it's kind of the opposite mm-hmm. in this way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they have illegitimate power through legitimate means. They're just bullshitters. <laughs> yes. I, I wonder if that's what happened to the earth since I since my kind of canon around the survivalist that was that they went underground to escape the harsh, frigid temperatures of the Earth's surface. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that they had shut off the Earth's uh, artificial sun or UV, whatever, at some point in the past. Courtney, you know, you want to know how I know that group is American? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Listen to what you just said. Oh, you're going to shut off our sun? Well, we're going to bury ourselves underground and live there because of our freedom. <laughs> I mean, it's a vat. Like, what else are they going to do? Just die? <laughs> uh... <laughs> COVID 2020. Yeah, yeah, exactly. COVID 2030 coming to a town near you. Courtney, that, that your group are Americans now. That's just canon. I'm sorry. Um, that's just what happened now. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I thought that'd be, they'd be kind of fun to mess around with. I also like the idea that they're like uncultured fucks and they have like, you know what it is? The reason I have them as like Cockney bullshit artists in my head is because they're the droogs from, uh, a clockwork orange, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're, they're like, I like gang, to that. Yeah. yeah, they're like gang member bullies, but they mm-hmm. just so happen to get into the police. Like that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this bizarre, even though those characters from clockwork are like complete psychopath anarchist sort of characters. I could see them being like an authoritarian group as well, but mm, totally yes. disorganized, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that's kind of interesting to, to think about as well mm-hmm. is this idea that like they're maybe they're decentralized. So it's like your friends just came through for tribute. We already gave mm-hmm. you tribute. What do you want? You know, like that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That might that's be kind of up. interesting to play with. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah. To counter them too, I could see um, groups popping up that want to destroy that link between planets. Oh, yeah. And, that's yeah. got to be a thing, right? Yeah. And oh, now you have uh, planetary independent, like independence f- fighters and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. we don't want to be shackled to this apparatus where we're being held to you like they're they're like trying to be like all libertad about it but it's like nah you're just getting swindled by a bunch of dumbasses <laughs> like that's kind of what's going on <laughs> oh man that's ridiculous okay um yeah D- do we have any questions about the world the faction and everything else before we continue on i did i did want to um it's not a faction, but I wanted to introduce something that I thought was important from a world building perspective. Um, in that I can see this, the, we have such a diverse um, type of peoples and civilizations across the solar system because it's been so fucked up. Right. I, I wonder too, like, do we have something like post-humanism happening? So like, I remember we ruled out aliens, right. In the setting in the sense that they're outside the story if they exist mm-hmm. at all. But I imagine in this in this setting, you know, you're talking about trillions of miles because of the distances involved. I could see people kind of having evolved into other things because of a either cyberpunk stuff or, you know, weird environments. So you kind of have like other kind of humans and people have forgotten like what that they are human. You know, like you could have Mm. um, people who are like weird um mm. rock men or like <laughs> weird mermaid dudes in an ammonia ocean because of all the weird post-human stuff going on i think that would be cool to introduce as a concept so mm. you didn't want aliens but you're cool with rock men and mermaids yeah because they're, they don't daniel they don't entail a whole civilization and course of history that would go with aliens like you can easily explain the mermaid people as like we took a a, a small ship of of population critical mass people went to this planet a Titan or something we fell in ammonia pools and got mutated you know like they're not they're not a whole civilization but it adds weird color to this weird setting 
mm-hmm. I can regrettably I can see what you're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it makes sense, especially with how different the solar system would be. Like when the sun goes out, I mean things are gonna get really, really cold. Real weird. Pretty yeah. relatively fast. And um so I think that there would have to be a lot of adaptations to that. Uh, All right. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, when you say rock men, you mean miners who are trapped in particular mining suits. And because they never leave, those suits basically take on the form of like, they gather a lot of dust and material. And so they look like rock men. They're actually just people who are trapped in suits because the environment around them is so hostile. That's certainly one way to look at it. <laughs> that's my that's my interpretation. I, it, I yeah. could also see actual men who have flesh that has been um, calcified, uh, mm. has been purposefully genetically changed to survive on Pluto, and so mm. they like don't have flesh anymore. They have some other kind of silicate material that helps them survive in this this space. And it's been genetically passed on since the first post-human enhancement. So like we did this initially to survive, then we had children and now our children have this as part of their DNA, that kind of weird shit. I, I hear you. I, I'm just kind of curious as to like, we're, we're not considering the lack of new resources either. So when you talk, start talking about transhumanist stuff, it means that there is a real scavengers horde where it's like, if you want transhumanist stuff, the people who are like purely transhumanist or have like cybernetic enhancements and stuff like that, wouldn't you think that they'd have to be like the top 1% of the 1% because resources are so scarce? Um, it all depends on the state of the system before the disaster. Like if, if there were technologies out there that um, was a matter of like injecting yourself with something and they were meant for like cosmetic changes, I mm. could see having taken a bunch of it in desperation. And then the only reason why it's perpetuated is because you survived and bred. And so it's been carried in your genes. So that wouldn't necessarily necessitate more technology or resources so much as just surviving an outcome and then evolving. So I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking these people to answer your question. I don't think these people have like genetic libraries to choose from, to pick Mm -hmm. and choose their enhancements. I'm thinking like, this is the result of actual evolution. Like Mm -hmm. you survived and carried on this mutation and now it's been 500 years, which really isn't enough for evolution, but we're just hand-waving that. Yeah, yeah, and and it's say. changed you fundamentally. But maybe because it's an artificial thing, it, it, it changes faster, right? So maybe it's like one of those gene therapies. It was meant for like, I don't know, putting a cool uh, bejeweling on your, on your flesh. And these people realized, oh, if we take everything <laughs> in this pack of this rich person had and just inject it into our bodies, we can actually sustain more radiation. So they uh-huh. do that. The entire fucking crew does this. They're yeah. now like crystallized, but alive. They survive. Right. They have children. 500 years later, you've got rock people. <laughs> when you said that you wanted to like bejewel your skin and stuff like that, my yeah. brain immediately went to Disco Stew from The Simpsons, who has like <laughs> the, the pins on his jacket. Um, but anyway, so there, I actually think that there is an interesting idea that we can kind of mess around with. Why not take this? Co- because you're right. You can't have evolution in 500 years. I mean, like, of you, course, have, you need like, millions. Right. right. But this right. is fantasy technology. Hold on. So. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yes. Daniel. I do like the idea I, I of it this. being Sorry. more about like, I do okay. like the idea of it being more about mutation than evolution. I agree. Like yeah. We can yeah. transform it into genuine evolution because we already have a giant black hole with time dilation. Yeah, it's like, true. Oh. You can essentially, mm, so you can yeah. take your Sagittarius group, mm-hmm. you can have like this offshoot of them be weird biologists, evolutionary biologists, and be like, look, oh. we want, let's see what happens when we try and breed rock men and then toss That's them cool. into this time dilator. Yeah. <laughs> they could like, be partially behind that too. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so why not something like that, right? Why not an entire mm-hmm. planet? probably mercury that is devoted entirely to this study because it's the closest to the black hole. Yeah. So I got pulled it even closer. It's, yeah. it's, it's, that's where the station is. The weird mm-hmm. Yes. And so they're like, all right, we're they're They're basically trying to play spore, but with like just this one plan and be like, all right, let's see what happens when we toss this. Let's try and mm-hmm. make mermen. Let's see what happens. And they toss in the correct elements and then go from there. And then yeah. it's genuine evolution. And then you have like, 
mer people and right. golems and you know elves and dwarves like courtney wants so bad <laughs> i mean they could produce them push them through the event horizon send them into the system sometime in the past and now the reason why they exist in the system is because they were created in the future mm-hmm. yes yeah <laughs> yeah i hate it um <laughs> i really That's i really fantastic i mean it's 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 kind of an okay idea i'm not gonna lie it's pretty fun um Sorry, I didn't mean to introduce a whole other faction, but I, I felt like I had to get that in there at some point. No, it's definitely an interesting idea. Like, especially when you consider how drastically different the solar system would be and how near yeah. impossible it would be to survive at all. Like, yeah, I think it becomes necessary to have some sort of uh, mutation at some point. Mm-hmm. I, agree, I agree. I think I think it's I think it's a cool idea. Plus, like I said, you can tie them into your Sagittarius group really well. I mean, like it, mm-hmm. it all, it's all tightened in a little nice package and stuff like Daniel. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> I think it's time that we move on. We have a main quest. Uh, what is the quest of the, here's the thing. This setting is so vast and so mm-hmm. everywhere, literally goddamn everywhere in the solar, solar system. We could do a lot of it. We, we could do a lot of things with it. What are we doing here? What exactly are we trying to do here? What's the story? What's the core story that we're trying to tell with this particular setting? I mean, we could go back to our conversation about post-apocalyptic fiction and how you wish there was more hope in it. So what if it's a story of hope? Okay. What's the story of hope then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good um, question. <laughs> it seems the setting suggests to us that um, well, it suggests two things. There seems to be some idea of hope outside the system in our origins to where the people have gone. But I think the Star mm-hmm. Trek version of that is there is a possibility of making this not a prison and making it a home. Because um, it's only a prison yes. because mm-hmm. we believe we can't escape it and that there is a need to escape it. But if that's the concern mm-hmm. isn't there, then you already have you have a place to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's the let, let's start here. What is the first step within the solar system of making it a home? Um, I would say making a new sun would be necessary mm-hmm. for long-term mm-hmm. survival. Getting rid of the droogs as well. Yeah, them too. Fuck those guys. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I see. Um, I see both of those working as mm-hmm. potential mm-hmm. concepts. Which do we want to go with, or can we roll them in the same one? I think we can do both because mm-hmm. I think the antagonist can be the droogs, yep. you know, and the goal can be the sun recreation. They probably have something to do with that. Okay. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, then we can probably confidently say that the droogs have the means to create a new sun, but actively choose not to in order to maintain power. Yeah. Or, the, or, the or they just boys, don't know how. Boys. Like, or they don't know how. Yeah, yeah I think they don't know fucking, how. Yeah, I, that's kind of fun as well. I like both ideas. They yeah. just they pretend that they do, but they don't actually know how. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can support this. Um, okay. So let's start there. The mission is we've got to remove the droogs from power. Um, how do we do that? And who's involved here? Is it an interplanetary coalition? Or is this just a plucky group of Plutonians, even though, you know, not actually a planet, whatever. Plucky. Um, that's why they're plucky, because they're trying to gain Plutonian status or Pluto's uh, <laughs> status as a planet. I think they restored it to planethood recently. Oh, did they? Did I they? Think so. huh. I think so. I feel like I read that. God damn it. Stupid type, is Pluto a planet again? Is Stupid Pluto scientist. A planet again. Let me just Google that real quick. Wiki says it's a dwarf planet. It's still a dwarf planet. Mm-hmm. It's a dwarf, but I it says not. planet, not planetoid, right? Because pl- I, I think they, okay, whatever. Well, I think it got demoted to dwarf planet. So I don't think it has been restored. But wait, I thought planetoid was lower than dwarf planet. Am I wrong? I think, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, it is, I would say maybe lower, they're... yeah. Yeah. Because planetoid sounds like you're not even like a crumb or you're <laughs> barely a crumb. Like an ast- well, you're bigger than an asteroid, I guess. I guess I don't know. Okay, whatever. We're we're, we're, we're losing the th- we're losing the plot. Wait, literally. what was your question? <laughs> oh, how to uh, is this how the- an interplanetary coalition, 
Or oh. is it something like a group of plucky Plutonians? I vote plucky. Yeah, I think it makes more sense in terms of keeping them organized. I think it would be tough to have people across each planet yeah. like mm-hmm. come to one thing. Because you can't even talk to each other over the systems. Yeah, you can barely communicate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is it the dinosaur people who rise up? Oh my god. Up? Just rising up with <laughs> dinosaurs. Dinosaur. I think I think okay, okay. I'm thinking like Chrono Trigger. Like oh my it starts god, yeah. <laughs> it starts with some small backwater place, right? You do pick up a dinosaur person at some point. As well as other neat, cool people, other posthumans, and oh my maybe God, an you agent. Can literally, you can literally have Frog, who's from the yes. like, oh mutation band. Yes. Okay, got yes. that. Robot have, guy. You have robot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Go. We pick up a vampire elf, just like Magus. God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> it's Chrono Trigger. So wait, we spent two episodes just to make Chrono Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Sure did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God damn it! We could have saved so much time. We're just like, yeah, for this. I mean, setting, that even has time need... travel. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So we could have saved so much time, to, like for this episode, for this series. Just go play Chrono Trigger. It'd be fine. <laughs> Lavos is the or the the time dude in that that game is the Sagittarius group where they get the ship from. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. actually, Lavos is probably the one that we don't really have a good. It's the black one. hole. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. the black hole would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yet the future refused to change. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think that we're going to do better than that right now as an I ending. Think, I think the Sagittarius like... group also has to be part of that villainy, too. Maybe the yeah. real boys seem to be the villain, but they're not the real villain. Yeah, that mm. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Because they seem pretty bad. They're doing like genetic engineering and they're fucking with time. Mm-hmm. They're making mermen, Daniel. Yeah, they're making down. fucking yeah. mermen. Horrifying. That's yeah. horrible. I I agree. I agree. <laughs> um. So okay, I, I feel like we're at it. I feel like we've crescendoed here. I feel like we've come to the conclusion. No, am I wrong? It's, if we yeah, had I, more time, I think we could do more work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I feel like the the creation of the sun, given that the um, the Sagittarius group are like the the masterminds or whatever in this scenario maybe it involves like uh exploding mercury in some way and turning that into the new sun mm. that then orbits the black hole we're creating lots Interesting. of star planetoid bodies like that you know oh like many little tiny mm. suns everywhere yeah oh that's <laughs> throughout the system because like yeah. if the if the star you you need a really big star to give light to the whole yeah. solar system but if you did like a few of them throughout like throughout the system you might for example if jupiter had more mass it could become mm. like a brown dwarf and then potentially a star so we've lost a little gas giant so maybe part mm. of their mission is like lighting the fires of all these planets to create mm. enough light to illuminate the system again mm-hmm. interesting to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I'm picturing like an, an asteroid built of little tiny sun-like objects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the question then becomes, how do you infuse something that will give like a, a new sun that won't immediately burn out? Because power consumption is going to be a massive thing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I mean, wait, it seems... what if... Oh. What if we go back to the Mercury idea because it's closest to the event horizon because of time dilation, it's going to last for an exceedingly long time. Therefore it can provide light for as long as the inhabitants need it. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So because the time dilation, I don't think that would affect light itself. Or, Or is it, would it be the other way around? Would it like burn out too fast if it's in there or would it? Mm. Well, <laughs> what is time again? What are we talking about? <laughs> so the things closest to, to the um, event horizon mm, yeah. um, ex- ex- th- that are in the, in that, on that space uh, experience time normally, mm-hmm. but from their perspective, more time has passed outside of where they are. Okay. So I so, think it would work then. I mean, in a hypothetical sense. I have to think about this. Sort of, maybe. So that'll do it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com and submit a prompt. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we are over at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord community, there's a link for that in the description. And again, I want to make sure that we all know there is a way that you can submit your questions and suggestions about previous worlds that we've built, and we will read them on future episodes. So I, I made that clear last time. I want to make it clear again because it's a new thing that we're trying out. Uh, a thing that we is not new uh, is our Patreon. So if you're feeling particularly generous and you want to give us money, go to our Patreon, click on the little button. And not only do you, you know, do nice things for us, but you also get exclusive patron content. That's fairly new as well. Always like to show that out. So with that that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much. And we're going to get through this together until next week. Mm-hmm.